be stuck at work, in your career, or in your life. In these difficult times, the ability to understand and manage your emotions and relationships with other people is potentially more important than ever. In this episode, you will learn more about B2B sales and marketing and appreciate the various challenges Andrew faced. Be enlightened by Andrew's story of transformation to realize his life purpose. And this is a bit of success. Hi everyone, welcome to a bit of success podcast. So in this episode, I will be talking to Andrew Parker about some of his success and experience in life. Andrew is a trainer and executive coach who has extensive experience in senior marketing, B2B sales, and involved in strategic roles leading large global change. In 2017, Andrew started his own marketing consulting firm and focused on providing his client with leadership, strategic account management, and planning. He also runs a business called The Anxious Executive to help the introverted executives to understand and embrace their introversion. Andrew is also an adjunct lecturer in Nanyang Tech University in Singapore. So welcome to the show today, Andrew. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for the invitation and great to be with you. To start with, Andrew, you have an interesting journey where you have worked in many countries in the world from Melbourne, Australia, to Belgium, and finally now in Singapore. So if you could share some of your background and experience with us. Yeah, happy to, Jay. And uh, it's been quite a journey, and it was interesting to hear you talk about successes. I think importantly, too, there's been quite a lot of failure uh, through that process uh, (laughs) as well. And I've learned more from the failure uh, and the scars uh, that I have from those experiences than I have from uh, any success that uh, I may have uh, had. Uh, but I guess sort of the, the potted uh, history uh, is that uh, I am uh, a Melbourne boy and yep. uh, I left Melbourne about 14 or 15 years ago on what I expected to be a two-year expat placement to uh, Belgium. Uh, and yep. I, whilst I've been back to Melbourne in that meantime, I still haven't been uh, back home or made it back to Melbourne. So I started my career, uh, I had a humanities um, background, worked in uh, a range of uh, different uh, companies, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do and had progressed in one particular company and decided to go back and knew I needed uh, more of a business background. So I went back part-time to uh, Monash University in Melbourne and uh, studied my uh, MBA uh, part-time. And I did that uh, over the course of three years. That led to uh, some work with some really interesting uh, and really good uh, companies, both inside and uh, outside of uh, Australia. But most of my career and most of my roles have always been on the commercial side. So whether it be uh, sales, Uh, key account management, uh, marketing, um, commercial transformation programs. Uh, That's where most of my career has uh, has been spent, which I I really enjoy. Also in uh, customer-facing roles uh, as well. And so you're right, I had the opportunity to uh, work in Belgium, uh, got posted uh, with the company I was working for to Switzerland and Singapore. And uh, I've been in Singapore now for about, uh, I think I'm just starting my 10th year. That's really good. I'm sure you must miss home so much. I do. And to be honest, Jay, I'm not quite sure where home is uh, anymore, to, uh, to be honest. But what I yeah. would recommend for anyone, if you have the opportunity, even if you just do it once, to live and work in another culture uh, is so enriching, both not just professionally, but also personally as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because like 
I was from like an Asian background. I'm from Malaysia. I definitely learned a lot from that's a yes. really good skills and experience to have. Well, yeah. that's one of the things I love about Singapore is it's so um, uh, diverse uh, that uh, you can be in a room full of uh, you know, people who are from uh, originally from Malaysia or maybe China, um, yeah. India, yeah. some of the Euro- European countries, Australia, etc. Yeah. But also people think about Southeast Asia as being a homogenous culture. It's not. It's so varied. Uh, and that's makes it what makes it really interesting, uh, both for work and for uh, pleasure. Yeah, like I realized that Singapore has a really diverse work background. It is. Yeah, you're never quite sure who you're going to see or meet uh, in any room you walk into in Singapore. So that's one of the things that I really enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. To the audience who might not know, Andrew has his own consulting firm called Wasabi Consulting. So Andrew, I know you might get asked a lot of this question. But I'm curious on how you came up with the name Wasabi Consulting. You're right, Jay. I do get asked that question a lot. And that's actually a really good thing from a marketing point of view. I know a lot of people that uh, have started their own business, particularly a consulting business, and they always use their initials, their family name or their name in the company name. And I didn't want to do that. Um, I wanted to create and find a name that was um, relatively simple but also was memorable and differentiated uh, myself and uh, uh, and my organisation. And so I uh, have two sons and my youngest son at the time actually thought of that name about four or five years ago. Uh, we oh, were just walking along one day and he suggested, what about this name? And I, I really liked it and I really uh, kind of stuck. So I've carried through the green of the wasabi into my uh, uh, logo colours and things like that uh, as well. Yeah, And it's actually turned out to be a really great um, marketing point because I get asked that question with nearly every single client or potential client that I, uh, I do meet. It's one of the questions that they always ask. Andrew, we have one more question. Said, sure. How did you come up with the company name? Because mm-hmm. when they see me, they clearly know I have no Japanese uh, heritage whatsoever. Uh, yeah. And so I like to uh, explain that story. The name sticks, it's memorable, uh, but also like to spin it from a, a sales point of view that we're small and strong. You don't need a lot of us. Uh, like uh, Wasabi, uh, just a little bit, and uh, yeah. we're a very strong organization. So uh, it, it has some good benefits that way too. And I'm sure your son will be really proud of like coming out of the name, part of the process and all. Yes, yeah. indeed, very much so. <laughs> I, I believe that it's also pretty hard to come out with a name that makes it easy for everyone to remember. And I'm sure that Wasabi Consulting is just one of it, that it's just so easy to remember and it's just so yeah, unique. It is hard for, I guess, for two reasons, Jay. One, for a name that's easy to remember, but also for uh, domain addresses as well. It's uh, actually quite uh, difficult uh, finding uh, available uh, domain names that uh, are available. Uh, So that's another challenge when you're thinking of the company name as well. You also have to be careful, too, if you're working across cultures, that um, whatever name you choose is not offensive in one culture uh, or or another culture. That some of the, the broader things you have to consider as well. Yeah, indeed. You were working in a large corporation called Amca for close mm-hmm. to 15 years before you decided to start your own business. So it must be hard for you to leave that company and start your own venture. So how did you do that? What's the most challenging part of making that change? The most challenging part is actually just making the decision and then actually telling people that's uh, what you're going to do. Uh, so I was very fortunate. Um, I had a very long um, and a really enjoyable career with Amcor. I'd worked for another company uh, for a few years in between uh, Amcor and uh, starting my own business. 
Yeah. And I was doing a lot of um, international uh, travel to some really diverse places like Russia and Africa and Turkey, et cetera. Uh, and I found that um, the travel was uh, really exhausting, uh, both yep. mentally and, uh, and physically. Um, so whilst I was based here in Singapore with my family, uh, most of my work was uh, outside of uh, Singapore. And I'd always had a, long, uh, a long-held ambition to actually start my own business or my own company. And so yep. over a very long period of time, it probably took about 12 to 18 months for me to actually think through what I actually wanted to, to do and then start to uh, think through my business plan. And one of the things that I've learned through that process actually is um, a business plan's great on paper, but sometimes yeah. um, the universe takes you in different directions or sometimes just to survive the first few months in your business, you have to go in different directions. That's been enjoyable, but uh, that's certainly been a learning through the process. Uh, and so it was a really long, relatively long process um, for me, um, Jay. Uh, and then actually having the conversation with the company I was working for uh, was a very difficult conversation to have. Uh, and then mm-hmm. to um, share that and discuss it and debate it with uh, your family uh, as well is uh, also quite a challenge, but uh, an enjoyable one. It's always really hard if you build a really strong and good relationship with your um, manager or your boss. It just makes it even harder for you to leave that workplace. And you're leaving the safety net of a regular salary or a regular income uh, to yeah. a more varied or variable income. Uh, and so there's some financial risks that are associated with uh, that as well. And that, that's quite scary. So when you have that first conversation, okay, I've just leaped. Oh, yeah. no, um, I hope there's a net <laughs> I can land on at some point. Yeah, that's true. You're taking a risk to like trying to work on something that you're passionate about and also hoping that the business would work. Of course, like we need to put in more effort and time, a lot of mm. energy to into the business as well. Yes, indeed. In your business, Wasabi Consulting, you run many workshops that helps your client to develop the right set of skills to be successful. So um, we know that in these difficult times, um, the ability to understand and also manage your emotions are extremely important. So could you tell us how we can work with our emotional intelligence to cope with stress and also overcome challenges? You're right, Jay. I do do a lot of workshops in this area, and this is one of those parts of the business that I didn't expect uh, to yep. develop. Uh, and so I do quite a lot of workshops and coaching with people around interpersonal skills and emotional intelligence is, is one of them. And so that's something that I, I really enjoy. To answer your question, Jay, I guess I'd think about it from both a personal perspective uh, and from a relationship perspective with other people. And so from a, a personal perspective, I think it's really important just to really know yourself understand what makes you tick, what motivates you, um, who and what situations really push your buttons, for example. And really importantly, particularly in the last two years or so, to really know yourself and know when your body's sending signals that you're actually quite stressed. And really importantly, to take really good care of yourself. That actually also requires sometimes uh, physical care. Emotional intelligence contributes to that because you know uh, that your body's giving you signs. Uh, that uh, you either need to take some time to yourself or you need to rest or recuperate, uh, for example. Yeah. So it's really important to practice uh, self-care. In terms of uh, more broadly uh, and our relationships with uh, other people, one of the most important things that I've found in terms of emotional intelligence is trying to understand other people's why. Hmm. Why are they behaving that way? What are they going through that I'm not seeing, for example? Why are they responding that way? And rather than cast judgment, people that are really good at emotional intelligence, they won't immediately cast judgment if somebody's disagreeing with them or they're having a confrontation with somebody. 
they're just in a really difficult position, they'll actually start to wonder why. What's actually happening for that person that I'm not seeing? And that's actually really true in the last 18 to 24 months or so with um, COVID-19. But I think that's been one of the, the best things that I've learned from uh, EQ is just having the ability to just to step back a little bit. doesn't mean I have to let go of my own views or uh, yeah. my um, points of view, but it does mean that I, I can be inquisitive and just be curious about what's happening for the other person. Sometimes I'll act on that and I'll actually have that conversation with them. Other times uh, I'll just give them the benefit of the doubt. And so just asking yourself why about other people is uh, really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I feel like thinking from the person's point of view and understanding why they are saying this or doing this and also like try to listen to understand why they're doing this are actually important because we get Mm -hmm. to feel where that person is coming from. It's a lot easier for us to deal with difficult situations or with people. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. It just helps you deal with those um, really tough situations and importantly, those difficult conversations that we all have to have with uh, different people. And I find if you can bring curiosity and respect to a conversation, particularly a difficult conversation, yep. that comes from trying to understand other people's positions and their why. Uh, and that's a great mm. place to start the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Just now you were mentioning about um, mental health. I feel like it's really important to balance out. It will help us with release some of our work stress and also like socializing with people. Indeed, yeah. I think one of the good things, if there are any good things to come out of uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic, is that I think people are more willing to talk about their mental health. And I think people are more willing to show their vulnerability, whether it's Mm -hmm. something as simple as showing the background to your your home uh, Mm -hmm. or your your home office or having children walk past and interrupt you, for example, or just sharing how you're feeling and maybe how you're not coping. I think uh, there's a lot more willingness to, to both accept that and to talk about that and to uh, ask others, how are they? And uh, I think that's actually one of the the good things that's actually come out of the pandemic. Sometimes it's just about the small things that you ask or you you just have to ask like, how are you today? Um, Are you good? And that's just make someone stay. So it's pretty good to, um, for us to realize it through this pandemic. Yes. Could you tell us more about the anxious executive? Sure. This was uh, the second part of my uh, business plan, along with Wasabi Consulting. This is more of a passion project, uh, Jay. I do um, on the side. I guess the background to it is that I was always taught in my career, at least, that being quiet was wrong. And Mm -hmm. so if you weren't uh, loud and the most gregarious person in the room and full of energy all the time, then you couldn't be successful in life and you couldn't be successful in a career. And you certainly couldn't be successful uh, in the world of uh, sales and marketing. And one of the things that I've learned uh, during my career is that introverts actually have superpowers, I refer to them as. Uh, They're able to um, build really deep one-on-one relationships. They may not go wide or broad, uh, but we'll go deep. Uh, We'll uh, ask great questions. We'll listen really, really well. We're detail-oriented. And these are all great skills to have, but even in the world of um, sales and marketing, they're particularly good skills to, uh, to have. Uh, and so what I do through the Anxious Executive is I run workshops, I do coaching to help introverts understand uh, their superpowers, but embrace them uh, and how to, uh, to explain them and, and share them, uh, but also work with uh, extroverts as well to help them understand uh, introverts and uh, help both extroverts and introverts learn what to do and what not to do uh, when working mm-hmm. with uh, each other. 
so that's um, a really um, exciting project. And uh, it's my way of um, sharing some of my own personal experiences being an introvert, but helping yep. others uh, talk about their introversion and, uh, and really embrace it. Yeah. One of the good traits of being an introvert is like most of them, they are like a pretty good listener. So this will actually help them to understand and also like um, know this situation better. Yes. So in a large group of people, I, I won't be the person uh, that's the life of the party, uh, but yeah. I will be the person that um, builds uh, a really good conversation, uh, maybe with one or two people, uh, because that's yeah. where I feel most uh, uh, comfortable. I realize many people have a, a misunderstanding from like what an introvert is. Sometimes it doesn't mean that introvert couldn't talk to people. They're still pretty good at socializing and like interacting mm-hmm. with people. It's just that they, they get their energy from being alone. Whereas extroverts get their energy from talking or interacting with people. Yeah, you're exactly right there, Jay. That's that's the way I think about introversion and extroversion is where do you get your energy from? So for mm-hmm. myself and fellow introverts, I'm energized by spending time alone and thinking quietly uh, by myself. Uh, extroverts um, drain, uh, get their energy from uh, social situations and being around lots of other people. Whereas introverts find that uh, quite draining and extroverts find sitting quietly and having a lot of time alone or at home to be draining as well and it doesn't mean that introverts cannot um, be the life of the party it doesn't mean that they hate people it doesn't mean they can't present they can't talk publicly Uh, I run workshops for three or four hundred people at a time um, and I'm on stage in front of three or four hundred people and yes it's not my natural environment but I can do it but I need to look after myself both before and after that Mm. because I need to have my energy built up before those sort of sessions and I need to look after myself uh, afterwards uh, and retreat back and uh, re-energize myself that way. So you can slide up and down the, the spectrum, uh, but it's uh, where you get your energy from and where you retreat back to uh, that um, I find most interesting. Certainly as an introvert, uh, I need that time alone and quiet time yeah. and a quiet environment to recharge. Yeah, like you say, it's really important to yeah take care of yourself because if you don't, then no one can take care of you if you don't love yourself. Correct. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Really important. And it's a, sometimes a hard lesson to learn uh, because sometimes yeah. you, uh, you're so busy focused on other people, you actually forget about yourself. Uh, yeah. And it's really important to, um, to focus on yourself and, and know what works for you. That's when I was referring to earlier emotional intelligence about knowing who and what pushes your buttons. You need yeah. to uh, practice uh, self-care uh, as part of that as well. Yeah. Um, Andrew, could you share some of the advice or like things that we could be more focused on ourselves yeah. yeah, really simple things, uh, Jay. So, and I'll try and tie emotional intelligence and some techniques for that to the conversation we we're just having around introversion. But yeah. everybody's body, for example, shows some signs of stress, and your body will actually tell you when you're stressed before you even realize it. So, some people might get a headache or a sore shoulder or a stomach upset, for example. Yeah. Listen to what your body's telling you because your body's actually saying, hey, look, you actually need to recharge, mentally recharge. So, watch out mm-hmm. for those signs and uh, uh, respond to, uh, to those. Find what works for you. If you can have meetings or um, do workshops or run presentations all day back to back, no problem. That's great. But Mm. if I have to do a three or four hour workshop in front of people, I won't schedule something that afternoon or that morning, for example. Uh, Mm. I'll have time, um, quiet time away uh, to recharge. Um, When I was working in uh, an office, uh, I couldn't have back to back meetings for 10 or 12 hours a day. So just putting in small breaks for yourself, 15 minute breaks for mental recharge time or thinking time. There's some of the really practical things that you can do uh, to look after yourself. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think taking a break is definitely a really good idea. For example, if let's say we were to study or work, it's good to have like two or three hours and in between you get a five or 10 minutes break. I realized many people when they are really busy or stressed up, they will forget to eat. It's just really sad to see that. Yeah, or eat the wrong thing uh, in order to keep their um, uh, energy uh, going and, uh, and and push through. Um, it's interesting, Joe, I was just thinking while you're speaking that one of the things I've observed in the last few weeks and heard from different yeah. people is that by working from home, as lots of people are still doing, they're actually able to take a 15-minute break. And in some cases, people are taking a 15-minute nap in the afternoon and they feel so much better for it. They can't do that when they're working in an office or yeah. a workplace, but they can steal 15 minutes just to lay down somewhere and uh, close their eyes when the mid-afternoon slump comes at 2.30 or 3 o'clock. And uh, they feel so much better for that and far more productive. And so that's a, another example of practicing some self-care as well. Whatever that makes you feel better or more productive, right? And it's mm. also like, it's it, it, it's good if you can just maybe go out for a 15 minutes walk during your lunch break. And it just yes. helps you recharge and feel so much better when you come back from the, um, the walk. It just gives you more energy to go back to work. It does. Yes, most definitely. So I'm sure like Andrew, you have learned many things when you started your business. So um, what are the three key skills you have learned while starting the business? Wow, that's an interesting question, Jay. Um, this is not so much a skill, but one of the first things that comes to my mind when starting my own business and people ask, what's the one piece of advice you would give? I always say, find your first customer before you take that leap. Mm. so don't just quit your job start your business and then think okay where do i get my customer from uh, or yeah. customers from um, line up your first customer before day one uh, would be mm. um, my advice and probably the best piece of advice i can uh, give for people who are considering doing that but some of the skills that i've developed jay have really learned how to do a lot of different things myself so i've built my own company website uh, for example and i can update mm. that um, by myself which i'm really proud of um, and the other thing that i've learned how to do is just be really patient the decision-making cycle with some companies, particularly big companies, can be really, really long uh, and it takes a long time for decisions to, to be made and you can't change that process or you can very rarely change that process. So learning to be patient uh, is a skill that uh, I've had to develop and am still developing. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really important to, to secure your first customer or at least like work on your business as a side hustle until you feel... Yes to have that enough customers or income that mm. makes you decide to put in all your time and effort into that business. Most definitely, yes. And ha have some sort of savings or some sort of yep. uh, fallback plan uh, yep. just in case. But um, yeah, it's really, really important to have that and prove that the business itself and the business model works or the product or the service you're selling uh, is mm. actually uh, wanted or needed. Uh, that's really important to do before you take that leap of faith. Just a curious question. What are the one thing that you you learn while starting the business that you have to learn the hard way? Probably two things that stand out, Jay. One, it's not the hard way, but you actually learn to do things in a really lean, cost-efficient, mm, bootstrap you, kind of way. Yeah. Uh, and so you can actually prove to be really um, resourceful when you don't have a whole lot of funds to, to start your business. Uh, mm. And so there are things like um, uh, freelancer websites you can use to get design done for a relatively small amount of money from some somewhere in the world. Uh, yeah. And so you can be really resourceful with things like uh, that. Mm. Um, the other thing that I've had to do, um, and I've really 
had to learn to do is to network and network with really big companies and find mm. a way into big companies. And that can take some time. Uh, so that actually requires quite a bit of, uh, of effort. And you have to find the right way to network. And uh, sometimes um, you have to try different networking events that you may feel uncomfortable mm. at or with. Uh, and sometimes things happen happen more naturally. Uh, so the networking part has been something that I've really had to work on in the last few years. And for my last question, you have your own podcast, the Coach Potatoes podcast, and obviously your business, and also working as an adjunct lecturer in Nanyang Tech University. So I'm just curious, what's your morning like, and how did you manage such a busy schedule? <laughs> I'm not really sure, Jay. Um, yeah. Well, the podcast I do for fun, uh, so that's yep. uh, that's enjoyable and that's a good excuse to catch up with my uh, fellow podcast uh, host, uh, Lara. The lecturing was something that I, I really, or is something that I really uh, enjoy uh, because I like sharing some of my experiences mm. and, uh, and my knowledge, um, particularly with uh, younger people. Uh, so that's uh, that's good fun. Um, I'm not one of those people that gets up at 4 and 5 a.m. I may wake up at that time sometimes. It takes me a little mm. while to get going, but I generally start my day with some exercise and, uh, and walking uh, the dog um, yep. for an hour or so, uh, come back, have some breakfast, have a shower, and then uh, ready to, to go. I find that if I prepare the night before things that I want mm. to start the next day with, that's a lot uh, easier uh, for me mm. so that I can just look at my notepad or, or my diary or my calendar, whatever it might be, and then start to jump into to my work. I do quite a bit of work with some clients in uh, Europe as well. So there's a time zone uh, difference. Uh, so yeah. you, you learn to um, just adjust yourself uh, as well and maybe shift your day around a little bit so you can maybe have a more relaxing morning if you're working till 11 or 12 that night with the uh, clients in Europe so that's part of that process of looking after yourself as well that's fantastic most importantly is just to um, looking after yourself and also making sure that you um, balance out your life and also your work indeed yes yeah and if you uh, for example the night before um, before I go to bed I'll lay out all my clothes for the next morning not my work clothes but my exercise mm. clothes so I can stumble out of bed yeah. brush my teeth wash my face and then within sort of five or ten minutes I'm actually out walking or exercising with the dog before I even know it. Uh, and so just setting yourself up for success like that. I know some days it really hurts. I don't mm. really want to do it, uh, but I know that once I've had a you know, sweated it out in the Singapore humidity at 6.30 in the morning, that yeah. I'll come back, have a really nice shower, and I'll feel good because I've started my day uh, really well. The other thing I'd give or suggest to people too, Jay, is to if you're facing something or a difficult challenge, don't keep putting it off to later in the day or to tomorrow or next week. Mm. Um, there's a concept called eat the frog eat the frog that morning or that day mm. or early in the day or as early in the day as you can and your day will get a whole lot better after that so uh, eat the frog sometimes is a, a phrase I have to remind myself to to use and to uh, actually execute on yeah absolutely and to the audience who might not know eat the frog is basically they want us to do the most important task to start the day to make us feel more productive it's a really good book to read. I find that really um, useful to manage your time well. So before you go, like, could you share like a message with our audience? The one thing I'd probably say, and right at the start of today's discussion, uh, we were talking about my uh, career. The one thing I'd recommend to people is just say yes. Say yes to new mm. opportunities. If it's an adjacent opportunity, say yes. If it's um, yeah, a promotion or it's an overseas move or an expat placement, or moving to a new city or a new team or a new company, just, just say yes. 
And I find by saying yes, and I found by saying yes, that's led to lots of new professional opportunities for me. And so mm. uh, when you get the chance to say yes, say it. If you're worried about presenting in front of people and they ask for somebody to present in the meeting or the next meeting, say yes. Um, if they want somebody to write the notes on the whiteboard, say yes. It doesn't have to be big. It can be as small as that. But say mm. yes uh, to new opportunities and that will lead you to new and interesting and quite often unexpected places. Thank you, Andrew. My pleasure, Jay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to A Bit of Success. Hope you get as much out of it as I did. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and on LinkedIn at a bit of success. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.